Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Reconciling Grace. This is Pete Vecchi, and uh, we are going to be talking about part two of the discussion we started the last time. The topic is, What is Truth? Joining me here in the studio is Vicki Cundiff. Remotely from Danforth, Illinois, is Pastor Don McDonald, the pastor of Danforth Reformed Church. And also remotely joining us is Mick Wells. And we had a really interesting discussion in part one, and I hated to have to stop where we did, but I hope that it left people uh, to the point of wanting to come back for part two today. And we've been talking about, as I said, what is truth, and where we kind of left it last time was with the idea that um, we we took a path through the scriptures, most of them from the book of John, if not all of them from the book of John, uh, that we kind of traveled this path that showed us that the Holy Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the triune God, that those the verses showed that trinity plus showed the fact that Jesus is the way to the father that Jesus is truth and the holy spirit leads us into the truth and i called that as i said more or less a biblical roadmap showing us how to find and believe the truth and we had a long and a good discussion about what is truth because well after all that's the title of this uh topic is what is truth and we need to make sure that we have that bedrock in there, that Jesus is the way to the Father, that Jesus is the truth. Jesus said in John fourteen six about himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So let's open things up right now, I think, to a question. The question is that in light of this truth, in light of the fact that all of us here believe that bedrock statement, that Jesus is the truth, how does that compare with where other people tend to look for truth today? Well, Pete, the first thing I thought of is that a lot of folks, without regard to um, taking things to the Lord in prayer, uh, those who don't have a relationship with God will just look for uh, truth in worldly sources, which can lead to a lot of confusion. And I'll give an example here. Um, one of the things out there that's on everybody's mind is what's in these uh, vaccines, um, and what should we take them? I don't know that we're going to find a scripture on point there. People will look to things like Snopes, Google, YouTube, and politicians and, and Twitter. There's a lot of confusion there, and I think we really have a dire need, especially Christians, for help from God in, in prayer to know how to how to proceed, because these are questions that apply to Christian people, uh, I take a little comfort in knowing that that the Bible says that if if we proceed and do something that's not in faith, it's a sin. And so we're going to have to rely upon the Lord to help us and then proceed in faith 
to his glory, you know, to for the well-being of ourselves and our family on on some of these issues in the world of a pandemic now. And so, um, again, we there are people who will look to unspiritual sources for answers, but I think that we have to take the the all the views and and uh, concepts that are thrown about out there to the Lord and ask for for confirmation so that we know how to glorify him through our lives and through the lives and for the well-being of our families. That's really good, Mick. Um, I really like what you said there. I was also thinking along the lines in that you kind of talked about where we as believers need to turn, uh, and that would be to Jesus Christ, to the Holy Spirit. Um, I was kind of asking that question more along the lines of where do people who don't believe in Jesus look for truth? But you kind of answered that as well in what you said, uh, talking about things like Google and Snopes and other uh, places where people will tend to look for the truth. Uh, one of the places where I think that people are looking for the truth a lot of times now are um, academia, are um, politicians, um, depending on what your your political ideologies are. So often, if the person on your side says the right thing, then, well, by golly, that's the truth. And even if they don't say the right thing, well, they said it, it must be the truth. And that doesn't happen so much. We, we are so ideologically divided right now in this country that uh, truth really depends on what you want it to be so often, it seems. But, you know... That's nothing new when you think about it. From the earliest days of human history, there's been a struggle for human beings in trying to attain the truth on their own, and that would be apart from God. Um, Vicki, I've asked if you would read Genesis 3, verses 3 to 6 for us. God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Well, that passage in Genesis is so full of truth and understanding when you think about what the serpent tempted Eve to do and what she was tempted by. Um, you look at the fact that it was looking good to eat. It would help her to um, gain wisdom. And also he said that she would be like God because she would know these things. And it seems to me that from that passage, talking chronologically now, from that passage in Genesis, the Old Testament shows a continuing struggle of human beings trying to become right with God through human efforts. And the Old Testament shows that humans can't do it on their own, and instead it points to the need for a Savior. But even though that Savior, Jesus, came to earth, lived, died, rose again, and ascended into heaven, to make the way for us to be reconciled to God the Father, many, many people have simply still tried to trust in human efforts and human wisdom 
in the Old Testament times and in the New Testament times and even through today. There are people who just seem like they don't want to have to uh, rely on God. They would rather rely on themselves. And the Bible actually prophesies about this, too. Um, Don, would you read from uh, 2 Timothy verse, or chapter 3, verses 1 to 5, please? Sure, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having form of godliness but denying its power. Nothing like that happens today, does it? Of course it does. It's been going on since the beginning of sin. <laughs> yes, exactly. But, you know, so often, I, I remember reading these words back when I first gave my life to Christ, back in around 1980, you know, so right after that when I started reading the Bible. Um, and I thought, wow, is that talking about today or what? And here we are now, um, you know, 40 years later, and I think it's talking about today even more now. Um, can we maybe discuss some of the ways that this is happening in, in our world currently? I'm not sure where you want to begin. <laughs> Well, that's what I mean. That's let's look at some of those words, some of the things about um, people being lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. I mean, let, let, let's even look at disobedient to their parents. You know, Don, you and I grew up basically in the same area. We kind of had a standard there about people were at least somewhat respectful to their parents. But even today, 40, 50 years later, that doesn't even happen now so often. I mean, there are people who are still respectful to their parents, don't don't misunderstand. But so often now, it's it's so much less. It it's you know, I, I think what the truth of the matter is, I, I lean in and a little bit different when it comes to parent child. Sometimes the parent is more abusive than the child, though. Sure. Because their their love of power and their love of, you know, when you look through the list, I mean, you know, most of what I've dealt with here in small town America has been more the other way around. I have the power, therefore I will, even though they're not consistent and they're abusive to the child. And they do it because they have the power. They worship the power. So I, I tend to say I, I experience it more in that light. And I had it in the Chicago area now as I think about it as well. So that word abusive and power are so much intertwined, mm -hmm. you know, in, in that parent-child that I saw it both ways. Have you seen it be, been getting worse maybe in the past 40 years? I'm, I'm going to actually say no. Okay. I, I, it's been more, the phrase that's in my mind, it's been more the reality of our brokenness and sin that's always been, you know, present. You know, mm -hmm. I, I can't, the, the only thing I will say that's intensified is that I've noticed when it comes to me being an authority and working with certain people, the lack of respect for me as an authority has grown mm -hmm. in the 30 years. There's been a lot more uh, dissonance, shall we say, in me saying, hey, I'm the pastor, therefore, well, that carries no weight now. 
Um, so yeah, that way I can say there I've seen a growth. Sure, I think it's fair to say that you know these words were written almost two thousand years ago, and people have been thinking since then that they are in the last days. I mean, people who have been understanding the words of Jesus knew from the time that he ascended into heaven and, and sent the Holy Spirit to indwell believers at Pentecost, they knew that he could come back at any time, perhaps today. And, you know, that's why why the Bible talks about with God, a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years. Um, we don't understand God's timetable, but we've known that these last days are coming um, soon, and soon could be another hundred years or two hundred years, or it could be in the next two minutes. You know, we we don't know, and that's part of what uh, we have to understand here too. So, we are in the last days, but what are the last days? I think that's another question. And another thing that we need to do is take a break for our sponsor. We are already halfway through this session, folks. So we're going to take a break for our sponsor, and we'll be right back with the second half of today's episode of Reconciling Grace. And we're back with Reconciling Grace, discussing the question, what is truth? And we've just been looking at 2 Timothy verses 3, 1 to 5, and, and Pastor Mac, Don McDonald, and I have just been talking about how has that come to life here in the last, uh, maybe over the last 40 years compared to 40 years ago. And Don has just said pretty much, except for the issue of respect, um, a lot of the things necessarily haven't gotten worse. Um, but one of the things I would like to ask the, the panel about here is the very the very last two things that it says in that passage, that people have become lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, and this is the other part that I really want us to maybe look at for a moment, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Mick, I think you talked a little bit about that in our previous session in part one, um, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Did you have anything more you'd like to say on that? Well, I think that uh, to me that scripture has always referred to people who are kind of nominal Christians. I mean, people take comfort in identifying with the church, but it becomes more of a cultural thing and a routine than actually looking to the power of God in their life on a spiritual level and as the, uh, as the ultimate truth that we should be looking to. I remember talking to a pastor one time, probably close to 20 years ago now, who was not part of the denomination that I was in, but I knew him from being in a community ministerial association. I don't remember what the specific issue was, but I happened to see him in town one day, not in a church setting, and I was saying, yeah, and so you know, I was explaining the situation. I said, along the lines of, so if you'll keep that in prayer with us, I'd certainly appreciate it. He says, I'll do more than that. I'll keep it in mind. And it made me wonder if, you know, this is kind of like prayer doesn't do anything, but I'll, I'll think about it and I'll send good thoughts your way. I don't know if that's how he meant it or not, but I think that kind of goes along with what you were saying, Mick, a little bit, that that the people who even, um, sometimes they're even leading the churches, are not really 
understanding the fact that there's more than just a form of godliness. There is a true power in in the power of God, in the Word of God, and in Jesus Christ. And I to, think the crux of the know. problem here is found just right before that, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And if you don't love God, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. And so, you know, we've been talking about believing in the truth and how the world is living and that sort of thing. And it all goes back to whether or not we're going to love God. Mm-hmm. If we're going to really, truly love God and believe in Him, then we should be obeying Him. And if we're obeying Him, then we're not going to be denying His power that lives within us. And and if we truly love Him deeply and surrender to Him, we're going to obey Him and we're going to believe whatever He says is truth rather than what we believe is truth. And you know, the Ten Commandments, for instance, you know, people want to try to focus on the Ten Commandments, but the Ten Commandments are just the gist of the whole Bible from cover to cover, from the beginning of, of Genesis to the end of Revelation. It's, it's just about loving God and loving people and how that plays out. And so I think the real crux of the problem is this. If we truly loved God, we'd believe His truth and we would obey Him. Sometimes we fail. And that's part of the problem. And I think that now I'm not disagreeing with you at all, Vicki. What I'm trying to get at is there is a difference between those who try to honor God. And, you know, if we, we fail, we understand that we can go running to God the Father and going to Jesus and say, you know, we repent, we're sorry, please help us do that. And those who just don't care. And there are some who look at the, at the words of, for instance, the Ten Commandments, um, the other words of Jesus about loving one another, the other words of Jesus about there is no Jew or Greek, no slave, nor free, no no male or female, whatever. And they'll take these words and they'll kind of, you know, turn them into things that they weren't necessarily meant to be. Um, but that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm trying to say that, you know, in our previous segment, the week before, we talked about what real truth is and that it comes from Christ mm-hmm. and that God is the truth. Jesus is the truth. Mm-hmm. And so if he was really the truth and we looked at him as truth and the crux of it is loving him and obeying him and looking to him that way, you know, that's what I'm saying. I'm not I'm not trying to make that as something that some people believe or some people don't. I'm just saying that's the problem is when we don't believe it, then we're going to be believing everything else. Mm-hmm. And there are so many things that, that people are trying to believe. Did somebody was just about to say something else? I'm sorry. Pete, I was just thinking about, you know, the word godliness and truth. And when we think we have the final answer, sort of going back to Genesis 3 reading, mm-hmm. um, we determine the truth. But the truth's not in us unless we're in Jesus. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, I think that's kind of where Vicky, what you're getting at too, is right. is we need to look at, at the truth in Jesus, and that kind of gets me to the to the point that I was wanting to get at. I think this is a great segue um, because there's a struggle going on between God's ways and human ways, and this isn't new, as we found out, as you just said, Don. It goes all the way back to Genesis, um, and it just seems though that it's occurring more and more in our culture. Um, I mentioned it last last session about how the Word of God meant something even 50 years ago, even to non-believers, that that um, held some authority. Now, if a person's not a believer, they don't really care what the Bible says uh, very often anyway. Um, 
But even in the United States, which was founded on principles of, of things such as freedom of assembly, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, censorship and restrictions against meeting together are now encouraged and, and enforced. And, you know, I don't want this to become a COVID-19 discussion, but let me say that um, there are definitely restrictions that are in place due to COVID-19, but there are also issues that are coming up more and more where differing viewpoints are simply being dismissed out of hand. Um, it's it's interesting to me, for instance, that there's an attitude, and we kind of touched on it earlier, about how the world is in the last days, or looking in the last days, might look at biblical views of things, and the Bible actually uses a certain word that I want to look at. I think we talked about it actually at the very beginning. Vicki, I think you brought it up. You may not have used the word, but I think we'll see where it fits in at the beginning of, of the first session. Mick, it uses this word twice in, in the Bible at least, and I'd like to ask you to read first Second Peter 3.3 3 and Jude 1, 18-19. Yeah, the word to uh, look for here is, is scoffing or scoffer. 2 Peter 3.3 says, Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. And then moving over to the the small book of Jude, chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, you find similar language. It says, In the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit, capital S. And one of those things, that word scoffer, it took me a long time into my adult life to understand that it meant like, that's exactly what it means, like, you believe that? And and how many people have said that? Vicki, that's kind of like what you talked about when, when you said how Pilate probably reacted to Jesus. What is truth? You know, and that's and that's kind of what we're talking about. So often, um, that word scoff is the type of, of attitude that we often tend to see or tend to receive from people who don't believe in using biblical wisdom. Um, what are we to do when the truth like that is called into question? What are we supposed to do when the world and when humans try to redefine truth? I mean, I can think of examples um, Somebody brought up earlier, or I think it was last uh, last session, the idea of evolution. I think that was you, Vicky. Um, so if you bring up creation today in any kind of, quote, um, academia setting, you'll be scoffed at more, more often than not. If you bring up Noah's Ark, same thing. If you bring up um, something about, you know, anything about faith, really. A lot of times people will just scoff at you and say, you're stupid. You know, how can you even think that? One of the big things, Mick, that you've talked about uh, a couple of times, uh, I think, again, it was in our first session, was the rapture. You get a lot of people who are professing Christians who look at you and say, well, that's just bad theology. They scoff at us. So, you know, how, how are we supposed to deal with those kinds of things? How well, that's, a, that's a tough one, Pete, because... Mm-hmm. I find that um, so much change has occurred during, during my lifetime, so I 
can say it hasn't always been this way in my experiences. People develop their own values based upon their their peer values to the point where look how ridiculous it is now where if you share the truth of scripture there are cases where you'll get banned from social media you'll be accused of hate speech for quoting jesus christ um it's because people have substituted their own uh, interpretations and values and put Jesus, well, not even second place. They've kind of wiped him off the, the ledger. Um, I was kind of shocked the other day. I just wanted to share this. Have you ever heard of Ray Comfort? Well, he has the Living Waters videos, and he was talking to some fellow on a college campus. And he said, what would you say if I told you three plus two equals four? And the college student says, well, it is four if you want it to be. In other words, people have put common sense aside, have put truth aside, and they believe whatever is popular in their own mind or among their peer groups. And spiritual truth, unfortunately, takes second, third, and fourth place to that kind of thinking these days, and that bothers me. I found it to be true for myself anyway that uh, well, a particular instance of someone that uh, asked me about what I believed in, but then was kind of scoffing it, not believing it, kind of coming at me with it. And I believe it was the direction of the Holy Spirit. I just switched gears and didn't tr try to defend it scripturally, but what it means to me and how I live my life and what I believe. And that turned things around in that instance and opened up more of a door to talk to this person uh, in a deeper way. So I think it all goes back to what I was saying earlier about love, you know, loving people that have the different viewpoints. You know, God calls us to love. Uh, he loves us uh, beyond measure, and he calls us to that same kind of love. And so it's easy to get caught up in the culture and the things that are going on around us. But something that I believe that God has shown me uh, last month when I was preparing uh, sermons um, for Advent season was that you know Mary and Joseph lived in some amazing times that they were going to actually raise the Son of God. And God was just showing me how everybody has in their own time frame of the purpose that they have. You know, God always has purpose for our lives. But we're living in dark times, and we know that. You know, around the world, we're living in dark times. But the church is being called to be light in that darkness and has great purpose in how we're going to show love to people no matter what they're saying, no matter what they're doing. You know, Jesus said we are going to be persecuted because he was persecuted. So I think that I just want to throw out there that we can't forget that people don't understand truth, but we need to love them through it, and the best way is to show it to them. That's absolutely great. And um, we're running out of time. I don't know how the time keeps getting away from us, but I just want to also add one very important thing. We need to stop looking to humans as the primary source for our answers to the problems in this world. Now, this does not mean that God does not use human beings. God has and does use medical science, but so often we are looking past God and looking to human beings to get us out of problems. For instance, get us out of the pandemic. 
get us a vaccine. You know what? God can take care of these things and we need to be able to look at him and look to him, not look past him. I wonder if a lot of things might not be a whole lot better if we prayed first and looked to humans secondarily. Folks, we're out of time. For Vicki Cundiff, for Don McDonald, for Mick Wells, this is Pete Vecchi. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Reconciling Grace. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace. Reconciling Grace.